Find the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, and verse 1. We good, Hank? All right, my man. Well, good morning, everybody. Last week, I began a message that I call the four F's. The four F's is a pattern that we find throughout the Scripture. We find it in every life of every man and woman that has ever walked with God. It's a universal principle. It's a scriptural principle. And the four F's work together. Four laws built one upon the other, working consecutively, never working apart. They are fellowship, focus, function, and fruit. If you want to get to the place where you are producing eternal, everlasting fruit in your life, the kind that Jesus spoke about in John's Gospel, chapter 15, when he said, I've called and ordained you that you should go and bear forth fruit, then you need to begin with fellowship. And from fellowship comes focus. And from focus, we receive function. And function produces fruit. So I gave you last week just an introductory uh, look at what I call deliberate living. Because the four F's, fellowship, focus, function, and fruit, are what I call the four F's of deliberate living, as opposed to living accidentally. God's called us to live uh, on purpose. And um, he, he moves through people that uh, allow themselves to be trained in his word by his spirit to be deliberate and on purpose, who learn the principles of God and learn those simple truths of his word, put them to practice in their life. And God moves through us deliberately. This morning I want to begin with the foundation, which is fellowship. Coming to know Jesus is the greatest thing that ever happened to me. He brought life into my living. Meeting him produced a dynamic transformation in me. My atheism was immediately dissolved. <laughs> and from the very day that Jesus entered my life, he began speaking to me and communing with me and communicating, and in that communion gave birth to prayer. And I started living in an entirely new depth in my life, immediately uh, a new depth that was previously unknown to me. My entire thought process uh, began to rise to a new level of certainty and authority. The Holy Spirit had set up a high security area in the middle of my being. Hallelujah. And from there, in the safety of our fellowship, our relationship together, he would teach me about life. This wonderful new experience that I began to experience well over 40 years ago, I would come to learn was called fellowship with God. A concept that I would have completely uh, been baffled by had somebody talked to me, obviously being an atheist and not believing that there is such a thing as God, the idea of fellowship with God would have definitely been confusing to me, but the Lord himself 
taught me what fellowship with God was as I discovered it in His Word and in my experience with Him. And fellowship with God is the foundation of deliberate living. And everything from God grows out of fellowship with Him. I had to turn to the Gospel of Luke chapter 18, verse 1. Jesus said, Men ought always to pray. And the King James says, and not to faint. Another translation says, not to turn coward. I like this one. It says, Jesus taught them a parable to show them that they should always pray <clears throat> and not lose heart. Knowing how to fellowship with God in prayer is the secret to a heart that's secure and, and uh, <clears throat> excuse me, courageous no matter what forces attack your mind or your emotions. And to truly understand how essential fellowship is, we're going to look at what it is, why it's important, and how to do it. And this morning, we'll just deal with what it is. What is fellowship? Well, the simplest answer is fellowship with God is what we call prayer. Prayer in all of its various forms, worship, petition, meditation, personal devotions, corporate church worship. We've participated in a couple different forms of prayer or fellowship with God this morning. If there's one thing, one dominant practice that Jesus emphasized in all of his teachings, it's the necessity of prayer. He was emphatic that Christianity is impossible unless it's practiced through fellowship with God. None of the other principles that Jesus taught will work properly without a life of prayer. You can know how to be loving and charitable. You can believe the truth. You can know the truth. You can be full of faith. You can have compassion on other people. You can be kind. You can be a humble person and a servant who serves others. But if you're not in continuous daily fellowship with the Lord in prayer, none of those good things are going to stay consistent in your life or turn out the way that they're supposed to turn out. Fellowship is where we begin to find the power that actually leads to deliberate living. In John's Gospel, Jesus said, dwell in me, and I will dwell in you. Live in me, and I will live in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself without abiding in the vine, neither can you bring forth fruit unless you abide in me. Jesus went on to say, I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever lives in me, and I live in them, that person bears much fruit, however, apart from me, cut off, as it says in the Amplified Bible, cut off from vital union with me, you can do nothing. Well, I've been busy a lot in my life doing nothing. And I'm going to be honest about it. When my life is put under the, under the under examination, there's just going to be two piles of stuff. The stuff that I did that bore lasting fruit and the stuff that I did that's nothing more than a 
a, a, a comment somewhere on a register, but there's nothing to show for it. There is stuff that bears fruit and stuff that bears no fruit. So Jesus said, unless you actually live continuously in me, nothing you do, no matter how good it is, will produce lasting eternal fruit. So when Jesus likened our fellowship with God to a tree, Jesus was essentially saying that fellowship with God is the potting soil of humanity. The fruit of the visible tree above ground comes from the life of its invisible root system below ground. Without the roots of communion and fellowship with God that are not seen by anybody but you and the Lord, then no matter how big and branchy you are above ground, the only fruit that's going to have eternal value will be that which has come from your roots, hidden in prayer. Can you say amen? amen. So listen, folks. What Jesus was trying to say was that if what you say in life and what you do in the natural world is going to have any power to produce fruit that lasts, it needs to be communicated from your communion and not just from stuff that you've learned or stuff that you've picked up along the way. It needs to come from where the life flows, and that's the roots in prayer and communion. Jesus hammered this truth into his gospel. Basically, to succeed as a Christian, you must build your life on fellowship with God. Christianity will not work as a philosophy or a set of morals that you go and practice on your own. No matter how good they are, no matter how true His Word is, it just won't work if it's handled with the best of intentions without being in constant harmony and communion with Him. Apart from me, Jesus said, you cannot bear fruit. You need more than truth in order to have faith and to believe. You must have the power that comes through fellowship with God, through prayer, in order to experience truth. Truth is not known. Truth is experienced. And the fruit of it is made evident through our lives. I think the thing as a Christian that I have been most disappointed in myself about when I've had those times before the Lord where I've come before Him and repented and, and felt that, you know, that empty feeling, need, needing that, I, that sense I need to get right. The thing that has been the greatest re regret has been the time when I've realized that I was operating based on what I knew and my experiences or the things God had taught me. Is it wrong to operate based on what God teaches us? No, He expects us to walk in the truth. But walking suggests progress. And there is no moving forward in life unless Jesus is carrying us as we fellowship with Him. Now, there are three parts to fellowship, and what I'd like to do is take the remaining few minutes of this message this morning and just touch on them. Number one, the first part of fellowship is calling. And 1 Corinthians 1.9 says this, God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. 
So stop for a minute and absorb this thought. God, your heavenly Father, is calling you into fellowship with himself. Just let that sink in for a moment. The Almighty God is calling to you. Right now, he is calling to you, and he is calling you into fellowship with himself. You might be eager to find out what's God's assignment for my life. What business does the Lord want me to be involved in? Is there a ministry or a purpose that I'm to serve? Who does God want me to help? Who am I supposed to be married to? A little late for that for some of you. But um, <laughs> you've already made the decision. And I'm sure the Lord is in it. Amen? Amen. However, when we seek the Lord, we often seek Him and want to know, what's my job? What's, what's my assignment? And all that Christians would genuinely seek to know, what is their assignment? But sometimes we grab that assignment and run off and forget that we are called not to an assignment initially and, and predominantly, but we're called into fellowship. No fellowship, the assignment just isn't going to work. So if you've been laboring in the heat of the day and you've been busy pursuing the assignments God's given you and you're a little weary this morning, maybe you need to hear the Lord calling you back into fellowship. How inspiring is it to know that it's your destiny to keep company with God? Knowing that God wants your company should be the highest motivation of your life. Every time the thought confronts you, God doesn't want to talk to me. And let me just ask for a moment. I know you're saved. I know you believe the Bible. Nobody wants to admit that they believe things that are unscriptural. But have you ever had that paralyzing, awful thought? It just comes over you. That thought that grips you from time to time. God doesn't want to talk to you right now. Have you ever had that feeling? You ever had that thought? Has it ever grasped you? Two hands went up back there. Thank you for raising one hand for yourself and one for everyone else. So every time that thought grasps you, grips you, God doesn't want to talk to me, just remember that His Word says God has called you into fellowship with Himself. Fellowship with God is your destiny. Have you figured out what your destiny is? I know where you can go to find it. Fellowship with God is your destiny. Whatever important purpose there is for your life, and there is many important purposes for your life, but whatever they are, they're found in your destiny, and your destiny is to be with Him. Do you know that when Jesus came down from the mountain, praying all night long and ordained his disciples after he came down from the mountain and knew one of them was going to be Judas, the one that would betray him, knew everything. The Bible says when he came down from the mountain, the Bible says he said he ordained 12, and it doesn't say so that they could go out and preach. Did they go out and preach? They absolutely did. So they could go out and begin the church. Oh, yeah, that's exactly what they did. But the Bible says he ordained 12, how many can finish the verse? To be with him. Right there. He ordained 12 to be with him. What happened to Judas? He wasn't with him. 
He, he got with the devil. He got with the world. He got with himself. He got with anybody but God. You know, the, the, Satan can peel you off. You need to be with him. Your calling is for fellowship. It's your destiny. Do you realize how intense God's desire is to meet with you in prayer? Consider that Jesus came into this world, suffered our indignities and humiliation, born endured the pain and the suffering of the penalty for our sins, and he did it all just to make your communion with him possible. Folks, that's a total commitment on God's part to be with you. He's 100% committed to you being with him. Don't let the devil talk you out of your destiny. Don't let him say to you that God doesn't want you to be with him. Stop right now and think about it. When you pray, your Heavenly Father is already eagerly waiting to hear from you and to talk with you. I'll bet there's nobody else on this planet that you have that kind of relationship with. Try getting an appointment with the president. For that matter, trying to get, try to get tech support on the phone. We've all been there. But God, your heavenly Father, is, he is Jehovah Shammah, the Hebrews in the ancient world used to call him. The presence of the Lord is here. He is God who is here. When I'm here, God's here. What is here? It's fellowship, communion, it's prayer. Can you say amen? He paid a high price to have that communion with you and I. He's always there when you pray. So let there be no doubt about it. God wants your company always, always. At the moment you have flubbed your biggest flub, at the moment you have created your biggest disappointment, loss, at the moment you were like the prodigal son, grabbed your inheritance and ran off, it was at the moment he turned back and said, I will return to my father's house that the father came running out. He didn't sit there in the window and say, let's see if he's going to come all the way. Let's see what he has to say when he gets to the door. The Bible says he ran out with gifts, threw them on him, hugged him, wept and cried because he was so happy. Where did that crazy story come from? The lips of Jesus. Jesus taught you and I what the Father's heart is if we would come to him in prayer. Always, God wants your company. The second thing about fellowship is partnership. In 2 Corinthians 13 and 14, the Bible says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Now that was Paul's prayer for the believers, for you and I. May the grace of Jesus, may the love of the Father, and listen, may the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all, not some of you, not those who are the pastors or the elders or the teachers, Sunday school leaders or those that are out witnessing, but all, every one of you. 
God wants the fellowship of the Holy Spirit to be the thing that consumes your life. That word fellowship, when it was originally written by the Apostle Paul, was the Greek word koinonia. And that word koinonia has has an interesting foundation. It literally means at its root, partnership. A committed alliance, a partnership. May the sweet partnership of the Holy Spirit be with you. It's the partnership of the Holy Spirit with you. He, I've got good news. He wants to be with you. He is waiting. In Romans chapter 8, Paul writes also, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery when, when you received the Holy Spirit. You didn't receive the spirit of, King James says, the spirit of fear, spirit of bondage, spirit of slavery, to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption. We have a couple people in our church who were adopted many years ago in their youth. That means that a mother and a father went to a place where they keep children that have no parents. No one wanted them or no one was able to keep them. And somebody went through the door, a complete stranger, and said, I want that boy, I want that girl as my child. That's what adoption is. And then took them home, and for the rest of their life, that's my son, that's my daughter. God sent his son to adopt you. And so you have received not the spirit of fear, but the spirit of adoption by which we cry, Daddy, which is what they wrote in the Greek when they wrote, Abba, Father, calling God Daddy. Hallelujah. And it says that the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the sons and daughters, the children of God. And if children, then we are heirs of God and fellow heirs with Jesus Christ. So partnership. This second aspect of fellowship with God is based in partnership. Your fellowship with God is essentially a partnership in life. It's not just I go to God and pray once in a while when things get tougher and if I need something, but it is a, and the third thing we're going to look at in a moment, it is a continual communion. But the reason is, is that there's a partnership between you and the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me say to you this morning that the partnership in life that you have with God was not earned or produced by your works. You can't undo it on your worst day, because Jesus earned it for you. It was the blood of Jesus that purchased your partnership with God. And so God refuses to stop being your partner, even if you say, you know what, they just aren't talking to me at church anymore. And uh, it's just, I've had it, it's, I've taken, I'm fed up with Christians, There's just too much nonsense in the church. And so, you know what, I I don't know. I'm just going to back off and and harumph, harumph, we go off and uh, we isolate ourselves. And we're cutting off our nose to spite our face. And then we realize, we wake up at some point after we've had our tantrum, and we realize, oh my gosh, I've really only hurt myself. I'm out of fellowship with with God and I need to get back into fellowship. And you get out into that area and you somehow f- get the notion 
that your partnership with God is damaged because you, you didn't maintain it. You know, you, you ran off. But God never stopped loving you as his child. He never stopped keeping that fellowship open. You weren't using the relationship and communing with him, but the relationship never changed. Are you listening to me? Too often people avoid prayer because they, they feel guilty about some aspect of their behavior, lifestyle, or habits. And they feel ashamed to face God until they get themselves into a little better position. And so, you know, bad behavior and sin can make you feel unworthy of God's attention. But the truth is, it can't stop him from loving you as his child. Nor make him abandon the partnership he has with you. I want you to understand this morning. You are in partnership with God and he's in partnership with you. It's a blood covenant. When Jesus rose from the dead and he had said, it is finished. That means that the enemy's access to separate you from God was dealt with and finished. There's nothing the devil can do. And even when you yourself are having a hissy fit, the Lord doesn't likewise get offended at you and walk off and, and say, you know what, I should have never saved them in the first place. They're just trouble. <laughs> I should have known, you know, I, I saved some members of their family, and they all turned out to be a bunch of lemons. So, you know, God just doesn't, he's not, his love is agape. It's perfect love. It's, it's a love of, in purpose and in, in assignment. In fact, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 4 and 16, it says, Let us then fearlessly and confidently and boldly draw near to the throne of grace so that we can receive mercy for our failures and find grace to help in good time for every need, appropriate help and well-timed help coming just when we need it. You see, fellowship with God is not just a necessity for us, are you sitting down? You got your seatbelt on? I'm going to say something's going to challenge you. It, happens, it comes out every once in a while. Fellowship with God is not just necessary for you because you need it. Fellowship is necessary for God. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Working through us is how God implements His will in the earth. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 6 and 1, it says, Laboring together as God's fellow workers with him then, we beg you not to receive the grace of God in vain. So we are working together with God as his fellow laborers. He's working with us. At the end of the Gospel of Mark, the Bible says, uh, after he had spoken and was ascended up into heaven, they went everywhere preaching the gospel, the Lord working with them with signs and wonders and miracles as they went. And so God is partnered with us, not just because we need the partnership, but he's partnered with you because he needs your partnership. I want you to understand that the, the necessity of fellowship is on both sides of this relationship. God did not make you inconsequential. You do matter to him. There are consequences to God having the relationship with the people he has made in his own image and likeness. When God made man, it wasn't like 
when you made a dachshund or a frog. The Bible says God spoke to the waters and said, produce some fish. And whatever was in the waters, the material came together and produced fish. The Bible says he spoke to the earth, he spoke to the ground, and from the ground he produced plants, and from the ground he produced living things and animals, and all of the elements that uh, compose a dog. When the dog dies, they go right back to the dust of the ground. And yes, I know what you're thinking. All the elements that compose your body, just your body, when you die, they also sift back into the earth from which they were composed. But you were not created out of the earth. God rolled you up out of the red clay of Eden. And the Bible says, when he was ready, he picked you up and he breathed in you the breath of life. And you became a living soul. God didn't speak to the waters. He didn't speak to the ground. The Bible says he spoke to himself. Let us make man in our image so you see in life, God designed you to partner with him. There is nothing like you in all of the universe. Nowhere is there a beagle walking down the street going, I wonder what I'm going to do tomorrow. I'd like to improve my situation in life. Gosh, I sure hope that I meet someone nice, your cat says. I know that we like to anthropomorphize and, and, and install into our pets personalities, and I suppose they have a kind of a personality. Now, please don't let anyone have a breakdown. I, 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 too, had an animal that I really loved. But honestly, folks, there's a difference between people and everything else. We have destiny in us. Do you realize that the very fact that you're concerned about tomorrow is an indication that eternity is in your heart? It's there. That's why you concern yourself with it. The very thought that causes you to probe out across the universe to find meaning or to even be concerned about those things proves that God exists. That is what God is, is that very essence of purpose that gave the spark of life to you and I. So God created you to be a partner. Fellowship is your destiny. Can you say amen? You know, think about the life-changing events that God has produced through prayer. Every major act of deliverance he sent as a result of drawing people into fellowship with himself and then coaching or inspiring them to pray or to intercede a certain way and then answer those prayers and send deliverance as he worked through those prayers. God has always worked through us as his partners. Consider how amazing it is that the Almighty God is seeking your fellowship in order to do great things. When we think of how great God is, we think God's great. He can do whatever he wants to do. He doesn't need me. And we often say that. But it would be wrong to say he doesn't want you. And indeed, there is a bit of necessity. God does need you. 
Uh, he's not less God if you don't fellowship with him, if you're not with him. But there are things missed and things lost. God has a purpose for your partnership with him. Let me finish up and share with you the third element of fellowship with God. And I call it simply unbroken communion. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 has got to be one of the shortest verses in the Bible. It says, does anybody know? I know my wife does. Pray without ceasing. And say it again. Pray without ceasing. Never stop praying. You can say amen and get up and go have your breakfast and go to work, but don't ever stop praying. Pray in unbroken fellowship without ceasing. Fellowship is unbroken communion. Fellowship with God is an unbroken conversation. You know, before you knew Jesus and the Holy Spirit came to live in your life, um, you lived alone in your own thoughts. The secrets of your mind and heart were unknown except to people that you revealed them. But when the Holy Spirit entered your life, came into your life, God went from knowing your thoughts to becoming part of your internal conversation. Haven't you ever noticed as a Christian, since the Lord's come into your life, that the whole way your mind processes and thinks is a little different. There's something there. Yes, the Holy Spirit is there. I never don't know that. I might feel at times that His power, His presence may not be as evident, but I know that He's always there and there's this internal conversation that's always taking place. So you know what? I feel it when I'm ignoring Him. If he's always there, then do we ignore him? Just a little thought to leave with you. But let me say to you this, a Christian truly is never alone. Unbroken communion with the Lord is based in that very fact that a Christian is never alone. He is with you. His spirit resides within you. And it broadens prayer, really, into this limitless conversation that takes place between you and your Heavenly Father whenever you consciously include Him in your thoughts. Have you ever noticed that you could be doing something, driving, going somewhere, performing some sort of function, or just sitting and thinking, and all of a sudden it occurs to you, oh, I need to open the shade, or I need to uh, acknowledge within myself that the Lord is here, that He's with me. Ever noticed how that you can kind of you can close, when I was a kid, let me put it to you like this. You know how it, you'd see a monster movie and it would scare the daylights out of you and you'd have to go to bed that night? I used to love watching those things, but I don't know why, because I, I couldn't sleep. And you go to bed, how you got rid of monsters? Everybody knows how kids get rid of monsters. You pull the sheet over your head. If I can't see the monster, it can't see me. But, but the reality is, is that when, when you're in partnership with God, you can pull that sheet over your head, but he's still there, and he still sees you. And so there's those moments when we pull that sheet back, hello, Lord, especially when we've been, you know, driving down the road and someone cuts us off, and, and, and some strange voice speaks out of us <laughs> and barks out some, some four-letter word that 
we've never heard before. Where did that come from? And then the very thing that follows that is, I'm sorry, Lord. Oh, Father, forgive me. Why is that? Because we know he's with us. Always with us. And so we need to practice the presence of the Lord. A Christian is never alone. Unbroken communion is the Lord in continual conversation with you and I. So let us include him in our thoughts. Romans 8 says, And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows hearts knows that what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Where's all that pleading going on? It's going on in your head, in your heart, where the Holy Spirit dwells. The fact that God understands us before we can put our mind into words is the wonderful miracle that makes prayer unbroken communion with God and makes it possible. One of life's greatest frustrations is simply trying to make ourselves known. We think and feel on a far deeper level than our vocabulary is capable of expressing. And that limitation leaves a lot of people isolated in life. I remember um, as a boy being frustrated when my mom or my dad would want an explanation for some crazy thing that I had done. And I couldn't seem to explain myself or the explanation I was getting, giving to him didn't seem to, wasn't doing the trick for him like it was for me. And I'd say, oh, you don't understand it. They'd say, oh, I understand all right. No, 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 you don't understand what I'm trying to say. Because I was convinced if I could make myself understood, you'd see that what I did was okay. Now, uh, the fact is, is that whether what I did was okay or not okay, there was the frustration of not being able to communicate myself. And you know, you get into an argument with mama, and you're 12, 11, 10 years old. She's got a vocabulary that is just you know, way beyond anything you've got. So you're never going to win that contest, right? And so we oftentimes in life are deeply frustrated. Listen. There are more marriages in the counselor's office today because somebody can't make themselves known. I'm talking, 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 but I, they don't understand me. They don't understand me. And so that feeling of, of wanting to commune and communicate with people and not being able to, to be understood has, has, has pushed a lot of people into isolation in this world. But the reality is that in the secret of communion and, and fellowship with God, your most inexpressible conflicts are clearly understood by your heavenly Father. How amazing it is that in that transforming womb of fellowship with God, simple, common, overlooked, oftentimes broken lives like yours and mine, People like Moses, Esther, David, the Apostle Paul, common people, broken people, overlooked people. Out of that womb of prayer, God brings forth world changers. Those people that God has used to do great things in their life, 
We're simply products of fellowship with him. And without that fellowship, not only were they just common people, many, many of them were losers, heading in the wrong direction, doing everything wrong. But in fellowship with God, transformation takes place. Let me close with this one thought. Fellowship with God is his closet of miracles. You and I should live in that prayer closet. That's the closet of miracles. It's all in there, folks. Everything that we need is in communion with him. Fellowship, focus, function, fruit. Focus, function, and fruit come out of that closet. Let's stay in that place of communion, of fellowship with God. It's so simple. What I'd like to do as you close your Bible this morning, we bring this message to a close, is I'd like to invite you to stand and pray with me. And let's make a decision this morning that we are simply going to go to God. And instead of running away from Him when we feel that uh, we're not worthy, like, like, a, like a, a, a failed employee, let's remember that we are His son, we're His daughter, He loves us, we're in partnership, and He wants that communion to do great things through you and I. Stand with me this morning.